Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men play against and make his ass win. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, the barbecue tastes really good on Saturday, but it had a little bit of a kick, didn't it? Man, it did, man. You know, it's obviously great to see them hang 65. You know, they surpassed our score predictions, um, but that last touchdown at the end was very frustrating. I don't like uh, I don't like seeing them put up 31 points, uh, but I'm sure you're going to talk about, you know, the offensive coach for Arkansas was – you know, he's 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 one of those Gus Malzone uh, type of guys, and he's a he's a very good play caller. And um, it gave the young defense some some problems. I definitely agree. Hey, we're going to try to set a, a sort of a new record here. Right. Our jobs are getting in the way of getting in the way of our podcast habit. Why don't we try to set a new record today and, and just running through uh, a game breakdown and uh, give me a couple of big things that stood out to you on offense. Well, first of all, man, real quick, I got to get your take on uh, the first series of the game with, uh, you know, Jalen uh, being in the slot and then Tua being in the slot. You know, we don't we don't like we don't we didn't like Julio Jones. Right. Running the sweep around the edge. Uh, I'm sure you didn't like see it seeing Tua in the slot and, uh, you know, being involved in the play at, outside of being a quarterback. You know, I like there were a couple things that I like about that. And, and you know, the irony there is is that was the first real drive. Right. Because I think they spotted this that first touchdown. But, um, you know, there, there's an old school mentality that says I don't want to put both my quarterbacks on the field at the same time because they can both get hurt on the same play. And, and there is a reality. And if you run through enough, uh, you know, variants and computer simulations, you would have that happen. Um, I think that we did it. Uh, there were, a, um, I think there were just a couple of plays that we did it and it was one of those things and it's a Saban specialty, right? You know, it's putting shit on film. And so now that's on film and now everyone, uh, you know, all the other coaches who thought, I guess they could do that, but no, coach Saban wouldn't do that. Now it's done. And now the defensive coordinators have to have to almost invent what they're going to try to defend because what are we going to do out of that? Well, I don't know. We could do a lot of things. We may not do anything, but now you have to think about it because there it is on film. No, absolutely, man. Well, talk to me about Damian Harris real quick. We got, we got to give some love and 
I actually was pushing for 2022 carries versus 15, uh, you know, because we got some catching up to do. You know, I thought about this during the game, man. I firmly believe that that Saban, you know, while he doesn't he's not concerned about records, he knows that's out there. And my gut is, is that he's going to make this happen for this kid. Uh, but I was just I was just really happy to see him break 100 yards and really happy to see him get two touchdowns. Yeah, I really was, too. And it's almost that, you know, you know, going back a couple of weeks, it's almost who's going to get two touchdowns today, because ever since we kind of called that out, there's been sort of a litany of players getting, you know, their 100 yards and two touchdowns. And so that's been kind of fun, kind of fun to watch. Uh, almost bearing out what we've said, right? That there's so many guys that could have that kind of day. And okay, here they are. It's it's two touchdowns on parade. You know, it didn't, there, there was a moment where, and there's two things about Harris that I was going to say. There was a moment, it wasn't quite Mark Ingram over South Carolina where he took over the game and sort of had his, you know, Heisman drive. But there, there, was, a, there was a note of that where it was, He's going to take over this drive. We're going to keep it on the ground. We're going to give the defense a little bit of a breather, and we're going to go down and score a touchdown. So I thought there was a lot of that there that that I really liked. And then uh, for you know the humor aspect, when we recovered the fumble there on sort of the one foot line, and we and and I think that first play we gave it to Damian, and and he you know broke what a twelve yard run. When he cut to the corner, I there, you know, the football math in my head said he can get ten percent of it right now. <laughs> you know, then if he would have run for a touchdown, he would have gotten you know ten percent of the thousand yards right there on one play. And so, real quickly, I rooted for that, and of course, that didn't happen. Well, hey, just for our watch, right, a thousand yards. Um, this does, ironically, this does put him at five hundred yards of total offense for the season. Mm -hmm. um, this is the most carries he's had with 15 uh, since getting 12 in the second game against Arkansas State. But interestingly enough, real quick for the listeners, last year he had a whopping 100 – well, last two years. Uh, two years ago he had 145 carries on the season for 1,040. Uh, last year 135 carries for 1,000, both over seven yards a carry. Mm -hmm. He's currently at 51 carries for 361 yards, an average of 7.1. Yeah. So he is on pace. So for the math, man, he just needs to have 84 carries the remainder of the way. And there is going to be a couple games where he needs where, where Saban needs him to get 25 carries. And so I think I think still with an average of seven yards a carry, it's within reach. So what you're saying is when the Citadel comes to town, it's Damian Harris Day. It needs to be Damian Harris Day for at least, you know, 15 carries because that'll put him, you know, give him another 150 yards. Give me something else you saw on offense. Just real quick, you talk about putting on tape. Uh, I don't think team – right after we had blitzed our cornerback in the slot off the edge, you know, Arkansas decided on the next drive they were going to do it. And um, and they were going to leave Jerry Judy against the safety, and the safety was going to be 15 yards off the ball, and he was going to step up to cover Jerry Judy. And so they were in a two-deep safety. Yep. But but there was no there was no jam at the line of scrimmage. And so, for, I mean, teams won't do that anymore because, um, you know, because you've got a quarterback that can hit him in stride, right? He was able just to run in front of the two safeties, which was awesome. And, uh, you know, nice stats, four catches on the day, but two for touchdowns. Yep. And, you know, and, and I liked on on one of his plays, it was just a simple slant. And, and the announcers were saying, oh, it'll be fun to see two in a two-minute drill. And, oh, well, never mind. 
uh, 65-yard <laughs> touchdown. And on on one of the touchdowns, and I think this was the two high safety, we gave a lot of eye candy to those safeties in the way of uh, uh, Irv Smith and Hell Hinches. They both ran underneath routes, and that's going especially after Irv had you know the day that he had. And, and we've seen Hale catch two touchdowns, too. That really sucked in those safeties. I just like the play design there, right? It's we're going to run him and against two high safety. That shouldn't work. But here's how we're going to make it work. We're going to give eye candy to those safeties. That's going to suck them up a step. And that's all Jerry needs. I like that play design. I think that's something we're going to see more and more of. Absolutely. And just real quick, uh, the evolution of Jalen Waddle. You know, true freshman, yeah. for, for him to be making a splash, you know, he had four catches for 50 yards on the day. Just adds another weapon to this team. They only had six guys get catches. They didn't need more get catches than that. And then real quick, just a, just kudos to Henry Ruggs on, on his hustle yeah. play. Yes. Uh, you know, on the fumble by Irv Smith. Um, you know, just for him to have the awareness. You know, we talked about these receivers, right, sticking their neck in and being willing to do the, the ugly work. Well, because they're physical receivers is why he was able to go in there and get the ball and, and get that get credit for that uh, free touchdown. How many coaches until just blue in the face, the horse in the throat, they say, follow the play, follow the play, follow the play. And, and once every four years, is there an opportunity for that actually to mean something? I mean, I mean, frankly, I can't remember the last time. And so the fact that that he was right there following the play, doing what doing fundamentally what he's supposed to do. And and the ball bounces out, uh, and then you you can almost just see him hit the turbo button, and he dives in a front you know a front of everyone else that's operating in slow motion and scores himself a touchdown there. That's that's I mean you put that on a highlight reel. Absolutely, man. What what else do you have? Oh, what else do you have on offense before we do mini game balls? I think uh, you know I like. You know, what else do you want to say about Tua besides he had more touchdowns than incompletions? Uh, that's amazing. Uh, I want to go – I want to peel back a layer like we like we typically like to do. Uh, we had a failed – we had a failed fourth down play where Brian Robinson was in. I love Brian Robinson. But he was in at a fullback position. We've seen him in that position some this season. And he just whiffed. He missed his block. And so I wanted to poke at that. In, in prior years – We've seen, uh, you know, Deron Payne. We've seen defensive linemen play that position. Uh, I was going to mark down Kedrick James as maybe a player that could do something like that, but he's out with an ankle sprain. We've seen Mac Wilson and Quinnen Williams do it, but I don't think we, I don't think we give them offensive snaps as as thin as we are in defense. And so I'll kind of throw it out there: is is the one thing this team missing? The one thing this team, this offensive team missing, is it missing a Jouston Fowler type player? I don't think so, just because of versatility, the versatility of you know Irvin Smith and all the different formations that he lines up in. Um, to your point, um, I, I I was shocked that he was in the game if he was going to make that kind of attempt on a block. And so obviously you've worked on this in practice and obviously you've seen him on tape. They tape every practice. They've seen him in practice. So I can only assume he got the job done in practice. Um, but to your point in that situation, you know, Saban, Saban wants us to poke out things, right. Or point out things. Well, that's something you can point out is um, there's a host of other people that you could have had in the game. You could have had Johnny Dwight. You could have had LeBron Ray. You could have had Mathis. Uh, there, there's, there's, yep. there's a host of people that you could have brought in there, uh, to get the job done. And so, uh, I don't, 
I don't think we'll see Brian uh, lined up in, in that situation, um, you know, for the near future. Fair enough. Give me your mini game ball. All right. So my mini game ball is going to Dan Enos, uh, the quarterback's coach for Alabama. And I only say this, man, not to not to be hokey, but, you know, Jalen finished the day four or five. OK, 99.2 rating Tua 99.6 rating. Obviously, Tua, you know, had, you know, more yards, et cetera. But, you know, we talked about this last week, man. The, the throws that Jalen made were better throws than he did a year ago. And so kudos to Saban, right? Saban brings in the special teams coach from Texas A&M and look what he's doing with special teams and some aspects of it. And then look at him bringing in Dane Enos and, um, you know, just just kudos to the job Dan is doing with these quarterbacks, man. And, um, you know, just really happy that we have both an offensive coordinator and a quarterback coach. So you are so set in not giving Jalen a mini game ball that you're going to give it to the coach. Is that right? I don't, I don't think Jalen, uh, under the definition of the mini game ball, uh, you know, qualifies okay. as, you know, having started as many games as he has. I just wanted to point out that that Dan Enos, I think, is doing a kick butt job with both of these quarterbacks, and um, and you can really see it. I, no, you're exactly right, um, and I'm going to poke you in the ribs on that, but you know, <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right. I'll say this, and I read a couple articles, and 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 I've I won't say deep thinking about this, but an idea that sort of flashed in my head. Everyone takes for granted that Jalen's leaving. After the end of the season, he's going to graduate and he can go somewhere else and play. And so that's a logical path. I wonder if if he continues the development path that he's on this season under Dan Enos and, and the contribution that he's able to make, if there's not an opportunity, he stays. How crazy is that? Well, the announcers even spoke about it during the game, right? They talked about that, you know, maybe it's a combination of the quarterback coach uh, because this guy does come in with the pedigree, um, but the talent around him, let's face it, right? Other quarterbacks have left and gone elsewhere and they've mm -hmm. gone to other teams that doesn't have the talent that Alabama has. And so he could easily win a couple national championships in the next two years. Uh, and, and currently Danny knows might be the best person you know, to get him to have a chance to play on Sundays. And so, you know, it is not outside with the development that we have seen from him with Dan's help in this period of time. I don't think it's I don't think it's it's no longer outside the question that that can happen. It is certainly outside of conventional wisdom, but I don't think it's outside of of I mean, it, people would call it crazy and, and maybe we'll get comments on that. But I think there's a there's a layer of reality because you think about all the weapons, all the weapons are guaranteed to come back because they're all sophomores or or you know younger. Damian, I mean, you know, Damian Harris is a junior. I get it, but you know, Brian Robinson and Najee and and you know, I guess Josh Jacobs could could go. But I mean, we're talking, you know, we're kind of talking around the edges. The top four receivers are all, um, you know, are are all, are all sophomores and. So, you know, most of them are coming back. And so, you know, he would have a second year. I don't know. I think there's I think there's something to it. I'm going Josh Jacobs with my mini game ball. You know, he had a touchdown on the day and he contributes in so many different ways, uh, you know, that, uh, that I just give a, I give a nod to Josh Jacobs on that. Flip the field. Uh, take us to defense. You know, it was um really frustrating uh, for Arkansas to, you know, put up 31 points uh, on the day. Their leading rusher broke 100 yards, uh, which is frustrating. 
Uh, I don't have that number in front of me, but I know it's been very rare in the past several years that, that we have given up 100 yards. Uh, he did it on 15 carries. And unfortunately, you know, he uh, for the season, that was his most carries on the on the game. Yep. Uh, last week against Texas A&M, he had 10. And prior to that against Auburn, he had eight. So, you know, Arkansas came in with a plan. Chad Morris obviously has a very good pedigree as an offensive minded coach. And you can see that uh, he did a lot of misdirection. He did a lot of motion. He put a lot of pressure on our lack of depth at inside linebacker, I thought. It really took advantage of some things that, that you know, Alabama will be able to put on film. Yeah, you know, they picked a hell of a day to kind of pull it all together, right? I think they settled on a quarterback, but they still uh, selectively and, and, and wisely used their big boy quarterback. You know, they, they settled on a running back. Uh, you know, they use the tight ends, you know, even Saban said in ways that we've not seen this season. And so I think that, you know, they picked a hell of a day to kind of pull it together, uh, 405 yards. Uh, you know, like you said, that's, that is quite a, uh, quite a day of production. And I think you're spot on. They did, uh, they did attack the middle with the tight ends and they did go after, you know, our linebackers. Uh, a little bit of that was, uh, countering our aggressiveness, but then I think also, you know, with blitzing linebackers, but then I think also getting our linebackers in coverage, that's, you know, I don't know, when have we last had a good coverage linebacker? I mean, C.J. Mosley, I guess. It's been a while. Uh, but I think, you know, they exploited uh, some of that. And then they went downfield, I think, at the right points, too. And and uh, I know we want to talk about Trayvon Diggs. Uh, I think that, I think for a little bit, I think they were attacking Trayvon. And uh, and and they burned him and he burned them uh, a couple of times on that. What do you think? Well, they obviously were not um, they didn't shy away from the press coverage, you know, and back to Chad Morris for just a second. You know, he's been well regarded as, you know, saving Dabo Sweeney's job. Yes, at yes. Clemson. I'm glad you brought that up. That's I mean, true. Just real quick for the listeners, you know, when he came in in 2011, Dabo was on the hot seat after winning six games the year before. Yep. And he turned around that program and was there for three years before, you know, going to SMU. And so this guy is one of the, you know, he's one, he's one of a handful of the most well-regarded offensive-minded coaches in the game today. Um, and so, you know, definitely a tough test for, you know, for a young, uh, for a young defense. I do think that Trayvon was tested. Um, it was interesting, though, that they they seemed to go more at, at Trayvon than they than they did, you know, against um, against Patrick Sertain. Uh, yeah. It seems like there was more passes going Trayvon's way, which was a little bit surprising, um, just because you got the true freshman on the other side. But the biggest thing to me was, you know, there was such a there was such a high percentage of the passes that were, you know, they didn't put the quarterback in a difficult position, right? Most of his passes were thrown to the tight end and to the wide receiver, uh, excuse me, tight end and running backs. And so on the day, you know, the one tight end that got the two touchdowns, he had seven catches on the day, but he only had seven catches for 48 yards. And so, you know, his average was a whopping seven yards a carry, but it, it allowed them to keep moving the sticks, right? And, um, you know, I, I think that the, the middle screens to the tight ends was huge. Uh, they didn't have this kid throw down the field. They knew that he didn't have the time to drop back and do that. And so, you know, he attempted 25 passes for an average of six yards a carry, but it was a good plan. 
And, um, you know, people want to say that, you know, they had some mistakes uh, that would have changed the outcome of the game or, or definitely might have changed the complexion of the game. This game was not in doubt, um, you know, regardless of Arkansas's miscues. But um, but definitely, definitely put some pressure on the secondary specifically uh, that we haven't seen all season. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, you know, there were definitely some miscues. They definitely could have had more points. I think we would have only responded with more points. So, I, you know, their defense, I don't think, was any threat to stop us. So, you know, if you scale up their points, then I think you, you scale up ours a little bit. Um, I think, you know, you make an interesting point, right? If if you're throwing to your wide receivers, there's a high level of predictability that they're going to be covered by the cornerbacks. And if you throw more wide receivers out, we're just going to bring more cornerbacks into the game. And that and that's sort of the cover coverage matchups that you're going to get. Not that there can't be mismatches there, but when you throw to the ancillary receivers, the tight ends and the receivers out of the back, you have, as an offensive coordinator, the opportunity to almost dictate the coverage. We're going to go at the linebacker. We're going to go at the safety. We're going to go at these very specific uh, players. That's it's harder to do, you know, on a on a with a wide receiver on a corner. You kind of get what you get. But um, I think that was I think that uh, demonstrates some of the creativity that uh, Chad Morris brought to the table. And I think we made some adjustments. But that's something that is now on film. You know, I guess there's good and bad to that, right? Other teams are going to try it, and I think we'll get a dose of that this weekend. But we know a little bit more about how to prepare for it now. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, back to the tight ends, nine of his 25 completions went to the tight ends and seven went to running backs. So 16 of the 25 went to those guys. And and Sean O'Grady, you know, he's the backup tight end at 6'4", 250. And so obviously he provided a physical mismatch, too, with his size. Right. Yep. And so, uh, you know, that was smart from a planning perspective. I want to just speak a little bit to uh, go back to Trayvon Diggs for a second. Obviously, the news out that he has a broken foot. They, you know, Saban didn't realize, didn't know about it till Sunday. Uh, I just want to quickly talk about, you know, obviously this secondary already has a depth issue. Uh, obviously, uh, Savion Smith, in my opinion, the way they were using him in the past few weeks was, you know, was was good for him to to kind of bring him along slowly. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to be thrust in the spotlight. And now. You know, who's going to come? Who do you think is going to come up where Savion was playing? I guess is the question real quick. Yeah, I think I I think that's right. I think Savion sort of steps in. What we're going to miss with Trayvon and and some of the some of even what I've seen about it is is almost overly simplistic. Um, You know, they just said, well, you know, we're going to put Savion at corner like Trayvon was playing. And the reality there is that Trayvon was playing a lot of different places. When we'd go to nickel or dime, he he rotated into a couple of different places. So, uh, and we've talked about that and he was playing with a level of comfort. And so I think we, I think we lose more there than what maybe the average fan is, is going to notice. Um, but, you know, to your question, I think, you know, I think Savion comes in um, I think that we may use Patrick Sertain in a couple of different roles. Uh, he had uh, gotten some some practice at the at the star, and so we may say may see him do something. Uh, Jared uh, Maiden has has moved around a couple of different positions, so we may see uh, we may see you know that type of player come in. You know, a couple of players that this is where we, you know, we wish Daniel Wright was healthy and 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 could play because I think he has some of that versatility that we could see. But I wouldn't rule out 
Uh, I'll throw in a couple of names at you. Uh, I wouldn't rule out seeing uh, Josh Job play a little bit at one of the corner spots. I think he is a freshman that's emerging. And there was a player that uh, that actually did see some time uh, covering the the slot receiver on Saturday, and it's a walk on, but DJ Lewis, and and he may get you know maybe not in the in the first five or the first six. Um, you know, you think about dime. But I think we see him in in an increased depth role. And it's easy to say Alabama plays a lot of five stars. They don't need a walk on. Well, you know, enter, you know, tell Levi Wallace all about that. Right. So I, I just think that whoever can pick it up and Saban looks for floors more than he does ceilings. We've talked about that. Uh, I think I think it might be interesting to see who actually does uh, evolve into the rotation there. Certainly something to watch. Right. Especially against a Missouri team that's going to put the ball up. No, this is true. Well, you know, real quick, speaking to Arkansas, you know, the yards that they put up on the day and the points, you know, something else, too, to keep an eye on is how quickly this, you know, Alabama team is, you know, scoring and their time of possession. And you talked about, you know, Damian Harris on that one drive, you know, they were slowing the game down a little bit. You don't want to break the momentum of this offense and the weapons and two, et cetera. But going forward, you know, in light of Trayvon Diggs's injury and the lack of depth, I, I, I hope that this team slows it down a little bit to try to win the time of possession. Granted, granted, you outscored, you know, this team and, you know, the game was not in doubt. But I think part of the reason that they were able to put the points on the board they did is because, you know, they had the ball for 33 minutes. And so I hope this week we we this team needs to have the ball for 35 minutes. And this team can move the chains. And this team has shown their success on third downs, even though they were three of six in this game. They've shown their their success of not even being in third downs a lot. And, well, put it this way, they only had six third down attempts on the day, whereas Arkansas had 12 because this team was, you know, getting first downs on first and second down. I just would like to see them intentionally slow the game down a little bit uh, just to put less pressure on our defense. I think you're spot on. I think it's I think it's it's not insignificant that this is a night game, so the weather will be uh, cooler. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if we had. And this is hyperbolic, but only just a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if we had sort of early second quarter. We had a drive that was a, a designated running drive, and 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 even if. You know, it's a seven play drive that results in a punt, but it eats, you know, four minutes off the clock, you know, whatever the math would be in, in terms of sort of burning as much clock as we can. And and then we just punt the ball. And then so, you know, this portion of the game is brought to you by we're resting the defense, you know, and then we do that again, sort of late third quarter. I, I mean, that sounds nuts, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we layer in a little bit of that intentionally on Saturday, as much as Saban said on his Monday press conference that he wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what we do. Well, and also you're sending a message to the offensive line, right? Guys, we need you to put on your back here, right? Yes. And so um, uh, anything else on defense before we do many game balls? You know, Deontay Thompson or, uh, yeah, Deontay Thompson continues just to demonstrate his vision. He made a pass breakup that would have that, that prevented a touchdown streaking all the way across <laughs> the field to, to bat a ball. And then Xavier McKinney, it, it, especially at the beginning of the game when ESPN had, you know, like high school cameras taping the game, you could see it was neat for a little bit because you could see like the all 22. 
and you could see McKinney blitzing, even when he didn't make the play, but he was affecting the play. You could see him blitzing a couple times, and I got a big kick out of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, give me a mini game ball on defense. All right, so mine's going to go to Shaheen Carter. You know, this kid is, has uh, done unlike, you know, other – uh, cornerbacks that we've discussed in years past, right? The grass wasn't greener and they've left to, you know, go play somewhere else. Well, this kid has stepped in when the opportunity has presented itself and, and he is on the field uh, a high majority of the time because he's in the base nickel. And I have not recalled a single time this year at this point in the season where I have noticed that, oh, he, he really blew that play. I don't want to say he really blew that play, but – he got beat on that play, right? And and Carter has continued to evolve and continued to improve. And um, he's one of these silent guys that we don't talk about, but we don't talk about him for a good reason, right? Because right. he's he's steady. And I, I just wanted to point him out because I don't think we've done that enough uh, on this show so far this season. No, I think that's I think that's spot on. And he's a guy that brings a lot of versatility because you know he's played corner. He's played star. He's played the money position. And so he brings a lot of the versatility. And what has been great <laughs> is that we've had, you know, two extremely athletic safeties and then and then two sort of plug in guys, Shy and Trayvon, that could do a lot of different things. And then, you know, just allow a Patrick Sertain, you know, to focus, you know, on the corner or, or you know, what have you as as, you know, as a freshman. And so we we're going to lose a little bit of that flexibility. But I think Shy is still one of our more flexible uh, versatile players in the secondary. So again, definitely something to watch. And I agree with everything that, that you said there. Um, you know, he's making a lot of plays sort of under the radar and he'll peek his head up and get a pick six like he did Saturday. But, you know, for the, for the by and large, he plays below the radar, which, you know, that's what you want to hear, right? No, absolutely. Who's your mini game ball go to? I'm going Quinnen. He had, he had, uh, I mean, his stat line wasn't quiet, but I think he had kind of a quiet day. He had, you know, four tackles, half a sack, uh, a, a tackle for loss and, and a half, a couple of quarterback hurries. He just continues to be, um, you know, just a trendsetter, um, a pace setter there across the defensive front. And I look forward to him continuing to be a productive player. Take us to special teams. Man, you know, um, no punts on the day. So the uh, two weeks in a row, two weeks in a row. That's impressive. It is impressive. Uh, but our punter needs a little work. So it goes back to what you said a minute ago, right? Hopefully this week we'll have a couple punts, uh, after having, you know, 10 plays and, and burning some clock here. Um, uh, as far as, you know, uh, you know, had one field goal, uh, you know, 27 yards made it, you know, missed an extra point. Uh, Joseph has won the job partly because of that. And so it's unfortunate we should not miss a field uh, extra point ever. Uh, and then disappointing on the kickoff return at the end of the game to allow them a short field to get those, you know, to go over 30. Yeah, the missed PAT, PAT was almost just – and I'm not mad at the, the kicker necessarily, but it was almost a joke. Like, really, you know, everything is going our way, and that's what's going to happen. So I thought that was I thought that was interesting. I, you know, the conventional wisdom says you never root for a 10-play drive that ends in a punt. And I just think that's how much this team has broken football. Uh, so I think that's funny. Um, I liked, you know, they were intentionally kicking away from Jalen Waddle. I mean, there were four different uh, kick returners. You know, they were spraying the ball all around and, you know, doing shorter kicks. I thought that was interesting. The funniest thing that I saw all day 
was on a kickoff on kickoffs, uh, and it started early in the game, and then it played out the the remaining duration of the game. The ball was blowing off, and so they bring uh, Shy Carter in to hold uh, the ball. Well, Shy Carter has an injured hand, and they haven't disclosed specifically what it is, but he plays with his hand significantly wrapped up. And so just the sight of him taking this injured hand that's wrapped up, you know, bubble wrap, and he's going to hold the ball that someone's foot is going to come and aggressively kick. I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that means they really didn't think about it until they got on the field, right? <laughs> right. I just, I just thought, you want me to do what with my injured hand? I just got the biggest kick out of that. And then Jalen Moody, I think, uh, quietly – uh, continues to play well in coverage. Another true freshman. We've seen almost a litany of linebackers uh, look really good, sort of be demons on special teams, and then transition into uh, players at the linebacker position. We need Moody to hit the fast button on that, but I, at least I'm glad that he's on that conveyor belt. No, absolutely. Well, man, let's talk about you know uh, let's talk about next week. Uh, Drew Locke coming in, you know, uh, senior quarterback. He's got a he's got a veteran wide receiver core uh, coming in. Unfortunately, uh, they like to spread the ball around. Not the opponent that ideally we'd like to come in, uh, given the current you know depth and injury situation. I'm you know a mixed bag, right? You can make the argument you know that Drew Locke has all of those weapons that you talked about. Um, you know, they run 85, 90 plays offensively a game. Uh, he is considered potentially a first round pick by the NFL. And so you can say all of these things uh, about Drew Locke and they can they can all be right. You can also see that that his touchdown numbers are way down, even just over the last couple of weeks that he had two receivers that didn't even make the trip to South Carolina, that he was outplayed by a fifth year senior at South Carolina uh, that, that has not played a lot over his career. And then you can say, well, which Drew Locke are we going to get? Um, I think we need to prepare for the for the good one, but I don't know that that's what we get. And I think they will throw the ball. I think they will have some success in that, but I don't I don't think we're going to get a Drew Locke light show. Uh, like, you know, coming out of last season, we might would have circled, you know, to happen on Saturday. Well, hopefully we get the Drew Locke that, you know, lost at South Carolina uh, on Saturday. Um, but to your point, you know, running, you know, 80, 85 plays a game, more reason that uh, we, we we really need to run the ball and, and slow this game, you know, sl slow this game down, which I hope we will. Uh, I hope we rest the defense, you know, keep them off the field, have the ball for 35 minutes, make this game a little more boring and, and run the ball and don't pitch it around as much. And so um, I'm looking for a 48 uh, to 10 game. Uh, I'm hoping that they do not put up, you know, they've averaged 35 points a game the last three games. Um, but I'm hoping it's more of uh, how they started off the season when they were just scoring in the, you know, single uh, low double digits. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to put a 48 10 score out there. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I, I'm not far from you there. I've got a 48 17. I do think that I, I do think they sling it around a little bit. And I do think they they catch us a little bit. You know, to your point, we've talked about sort of resting the defense. We've talked about taking opportunities to do that. I think it would be remiss if we didn't point out, hey, that this is homecoming and teams are allowed, schools are allowed a longer halftime for the pageantry that is, you know, whatever, you know, the stuff that they do at halftime of a homecoming game and the ceremonies and, and all of that stuff. And so 
as often as I find myself rooting for the third quarter to start, I, I will I will exercise great patience as we enjoy an elongated halftime. As I know our defensive players are uh, taking oxygen and uh, getting some well needed rest. Absolutely, man. Well, looking forward to it. Glad it's at least a night game uh, in Bryant Denny, and it should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Hey, we've got a lot of, of listener uh, emails and uh, five-star reviews on on the iTunes. I know we want to go back and sort of catch some of those up, and we absolutely will. We're in a time crunch today, so we so we won't, but we definitely greatly appreciate all of the folks that, that email us, that, that Facebook us, that uh, send us emails and comments and, and reviews on the iTunes. We greatly appreciate it, and if you haven't taking the time to engage with us in any of those ways yet. We encourage you certainly to do so. In the meantime, this has been another edition of the Alabama football podcast, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama football podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.